A very good morning to you. Today we're going to unpack a bit more about the story of Daniel, which our kids team looked at earlier. If you don't see the activities before the service, can I recommend them to you? They are absolutely brilliant and usually start around 25 minutes before our service at around half 10 on our Facebook channel. So today we're looking at Daniel and other Israelites when they moved to a strange land and were faced with difficult situations and choices. They are great reminders about how we can remain holy, even in times of distress, pain and suffering. So let's see what we can learn from their example as we examine Daniel 1 to 17. I'm going to start reading from Daniel 1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. So these young men were forced to live in a completely different situation to what they were normally used to dealing with. They had new rules, new situations and new challenges. Sound familiar to how we are at the moment? Now, I know we're not living in a different country, but just under a new way of doing things. And to help us think about doing that, we're going to hear a song written by the hymn writer Gordon Sumner. And Mick is kindly going to sting it for us. You'll see in that song many pictures from a mission trip. Our worship team led to New York, another strange land, around 10 years ago. Following that, Demi is going to continue reading to us the story from Daniel 1. I don't take coffee, I take tea, my dear I like my toast turned on one side You can hear it in my accent when I talk I'm an Englishman in New York See me walking down Fifth Avenue A walking cane here at my side I take it everywhere I walk I'm an Englishman in New York Oh, I'm an alien I'm a legal alien I'm an Englishman in New York Oh, I'm an alien I'm a legal alien I'm an Englishman in New York If manners man as someone said he's a hero of the day it takes a man to suffer ignorance and smile be yourself no matter what they say whoa I'm an alien 
I'm a legal alien, I'm an Englishman in New York Oh, I'm an alien, I'm a legal alien, I'm an Englishman in New York Modesty, propriety, can lead to notoriety You could end up as the only one Gentleness, sobriety a rare in this society And neither candle's brighter than the sun Takes more than combat gear to make a man Takes more than license for a gun Confront your enemies, avoid them when you can A gentleman will walk but never run If manners maketh man as someone said He's a hero of the day it takes a man to soften her ignorance and smile Be yourself, no matter what they say 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 The king ordered Ashben, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked the chief official for, for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had called the official to, to show favour and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you? Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare, then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to, to this test and then, and then did what he was told for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Thank you, Demi, for reading that so brilliantly to us and for mixing that song for us so well. 
When you read the book of Daniel, especially in the narrative regarding Daniel and other characters like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you can sometimes get the impression it's a very lovely story, especially in the matter of fact way things are written. The first five verses of Daniel are prime examples of this, saying what went on to the Israelites. But these simple sentences actually show one of the most devastating national crises that Israel had ever experienced. The nation was defeated and humiliated. And in the words of our politicians for Israel, this was unprecedented times. Verses 3 to 5 also underplay the idea that these young men were taken from their families. Scholars have argued why this happened. Some have suggested it was to enrich the life and culture of the Babylonians by having the best of the best join them. Others have said it was a way of keeping the Israelites subdued, the ones who were captive in Babylon and also the ones who were back home, because the Israelite leaders would be subservient with their loved ones being kept abroad, almost in some form of kidnap. The fact that Daniel was overseen by a guard gives the context this doesn't was a new job or opportunity for these young men, but potentially a form of enhanced slavery, especially at the start. So Daniel and his contemporaries were in unfamiliar circumstances where the usual rules of life that they'd grown in with and had, were understood by them were turned on their head. Their situation wasn't just that they're in an odd place with different customs, like in the song Englishman in New York. Their whole experience of life and what it meant to serve God was flipped on its head. So what can we learn about living in strange times where circumstances beyond our control cause us to be in new and unsettling times? In the first place, these were isolated from the influences that would shape their lives and characters in the ways of God. In Babylon, they were separated from the regular public worship of God, from the teaching of the word of God, from the fellowship and the wisdom of the people of God. So when you look at this context, you'll see that asking for different food and drink to what the king had provided was very risky indeed. It's not like going into your favourite coffee shop when you can and going, oh, excuse me, is there any chance I can change the milk and have soya milk in my latte? What they were doing was going massively against the culture and the pecking order of the time. Nowadays, we are used to all sorts of delicious vegetarian and vegan foods. In fact, you might be thinking, big deal. I could cope with veggies and water. Why are they banging on about Daniel? But this wasn't the way things were done in Babylon. All the meat that was cooked in the royal kitchens was probably from animals that had been sacrificed to the gods, the gods of Babylon. And the wine that was consumed in the palace had been used in offerings to these gods. Whoever ate this meat or drank this wine was therefore considered to be sharing a fellowship meal with these gods. This was also seen as the correct diet for true noblemen to eat in order to thrive and get to the top. Whenever Daniel and his friends stood up for their faith, we can think, well, weren't they brilliant? They knew God would protect them. However, if you look again at the context 
of what actually happened, it makes their faith more extraordinary because they didn't have a force field they knew would protect them in times of trouble. Remember the Israelites knew stories from days gone by about how God had protected them from foreign enemies. So they, I can imagine, were praying to God that God would defeat these advancing Babylonians. And they probably saw the Babylonians come closer and closer and they think a miracle's going to happen. And then it didn't happen. This means that Daniel and his friends had a legacy of God seemingly not answering their prayers or at least answering in the way that they wanted. So the fact that this means them then standing up for their faith consistently in that time makes it more amazing. Their faith was seemingly able to survive the knocks of unanswered prayer. I still think many of us today can be shaped by the times we prayed so hard for something, especially in these current times, and see our prayers seemingly not be answered. This is tough. And putting the context of unanswered prayer into Daniel's story makes it even more remarkable that in the midst of his world being turned upside down and living in a time where most Jews would have been felt that they were let down by God, Daniel kept on trusting. A few weeks ago, Rachel led us and helped us understand more about Joshua and Caleb, who believed in a good report, and they focused on what happened and they focused on the good report even in hard circumstances where everyone else was saying, no, this isn't going to be good. The Bible is full of encouragement for those who don't know where to turn. I encourage you, even if you're finding it difficult because of past or present disappointment, I encourage you to continue to look to God and reach out to him, even in the midst of tears and heartbreak. I just want to pause and lead us in prayer that I think will be helpful for some of us who are currently in pain and need a touch from God. Let the words I say be your words. Lord, I thank you that you are God who loves me and cares about me. Help me to trust in your ability and not my own. Teach me to see difficulties in my life from your perspective. Help me to focus on you and your power. The Bible says you are mighty, powerful, righteous and true. Help me to trust you as Daniel did. Today I bring before you these difficulties in my life. Help me not to fear, but trust you in this situation. Amen. We're now going to look at what battles to fight. Even when in exile, God expected the people of Israel to be his set-apart nation. You can read loads of this in Jeremiah, especially in Jeremiah 5. And the new normal doesn't mean we take a holiday or a break from who we are in God. I know many people have said, oh, it's been brilliant watching church services in our pyjamas, which, to be honest, is an image I don't really want in my mind. But doing stuff differently can sometimes get us thinking, well, isn't that how we should usually do it? And also, when do I decide to do things differently? How did Daniel know? Well, they chose battles. I imagine that the Bible doesn't show all the scrapes and challenges that Daniel and his friends would have faced and times when they accepted the new way of doing things and times when they had to make difficult decisions and choices. 
we do think that even though in chapter one, Daniel was just a young man, that when he was chucked in the lion's den, sorry, I've given the game away for later, spoiler alert, he was probably over 80. And so he had a lifetime of negotiating these issues. Now, hopefully we won't be in lockdown for 60 years plus, but the example of Daniel can be very useful for us for the situations that we face. Daniel and his friends were trained in the ways of Babylon for three years and then they were to enter the king's service. We should note that no one seemingly resisted this plan out of that group of four. In fact, when their names were changed to align with the gods of Babylon, the Hebrew youths never really opposed the decision, even though Daniel made slight tweaks to his name. They did this by submitting to authority and the rule of the king, and he was the most wicked and idolatrous king, Nebuchadnezzar. And this is consistent with Jeremiah 29, 5-14, where God tells them in exile to seek the welfare and good of the city. Christians have much to learn from this. When do we fight against things or when do we seek the good of those around? Even when we're trying to just get through mists of suffering and pain. When we're suffering, it's very easy to turn inward and focus primarily on our own pain and hurt. We can forget the needs of those around us, even when they're greater than their own. God can and wants to use us for his glory and the good of those around us in our suffering. It has been brilliant seeing loads of examples of how Christians all around the world and the country have been showing goodness to those around them with the ways that they have helped others in need. Obviously, there are people not of faith doing tremendous work as well. But Christians, as we've said, have got this mandate from God to do good, to seek that welfare and good of the situations around us. But about doing that, it's about doing it in God's strength. Scholars have said that Daniel refrained from the king's food to show the real source of his strength. If he and his friends ate the king food, it would show that Babylon was the source of their strength and stamina. Now, you might not know that a few years ago, myself and my friend Joe, well, say friend, loose acquaintance, we were out in Litchfield just walking around and suddenly we became the face of veganism in the UK because we walked into uh, their town hall where they were doing a vegan fair, basically because it was free food. And suddenly they were taking photos of us and saying, oh, can we put you in our vegan magazine? I think it was because we were slightly bigger blokes and they were trying to show that, look, even the most men manly of men that you'll ever see, which is obviously us, they can eat vegan food as well. So then pictures of us went in their vegan magazine. I think they're still on their website today. Now, you could say that we had a robust physique anyway, but for Daniel and his men, it was said that their robust appearance, usually attained by the rich fare of meats and wine, is miraculously achieved through the diet of vegetables. That usually wouldn't happen in Babylon. If you ate vegetables, well, you're weak. Or you were the people who couldn't afford all the good stuff, the stuff that would help you grow and develop. Only God could have done that in that situation of making them healthy, healthier than the others around. Daniel, though in a strange and foreign land, never lost sight of the one true God. He resolved to remain faithful and trust in Yahweh. 
He understood that no amount of material possessions and blessings like the king's delicacies could sustain and secure him. Only God was his refuge and rock. C.S. Lewis wrote, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Suffering reveals our functional hope and trust. We clearly can see how often we run to the wrong things to find security, refuge and comfort. Or sometimes we're so busy keeping on, keeping on, that we start to rely so much on our own strength. What have you relied on as your hope? Is it God? Or what experience, dream or possession is often your source of strength? We've seen deliveries go through the roof of people getting different things that they think will help them cope through lockdown. Some things really important, other things like gym equipment that they'll probably never ever use. But what is your source of strength? We've got used to this new normal quickly and we often change the way we do things. For example, I now am a master of the airing cupboard. The place that was once a jumble of socks, towels, uh, bed sheets and sports tops from housemates from seven years ago is now tidy with things folded neatly and accounted for. Now, most of you will be nodding approvingly of this and I've heard many stories of people touching base with others more, cooking more, tackling the garden and many such activities. There are things that we can get up to when we're in a different situation where movements are restricted. Daniel and his contemporaries would have had a huge change to their routines and things imposed on them that they would have seemed really important in Babylon, but they wouldn't have wanted to do. We also know, though, that Daniel wasn't in his Jewish bubble where he could do whatever he liked. He had to make choices about what to stand up for and what not to. He had to ensure that he was living a life that honoured God, even though much of it was beyond his control. When you think of things that you may have tackled or reconnected with in this time, think about how that has affected your time and relationship with God. For some, this has been expanded and given you more time. But for other people, these new activities or new things to focus on have squeezed out that time. Others of you be thinking, well, I'm busier than ever. Work is mad with all the things I've had to do because of the national situation. Or I'm having to deliver all sorts of, sorts of stuff to vulnerable folk. I'm having to do homeschooling. It's leaving me with no time whatsoever. Or maybe you don't have much on at all, but the situation is living, leaving you with little motivation and inspiration to think about God. Or you're feeling it's your own strength at the moment that's just getting you through rather relying on God's. Now, we don't want to see patronising here at all because all of our situations are different. But it's not patronising to say that whether you're being uprooted to Babylon or an international pandemic, all those things can put pressure on how we relate or connect with God. Consider which things you need to stand up for and which you need to step back from. Remembering whatever situation you're in, even, even if you're totally unsure what to do next. There are folk here at Junction 10 happy to chat things through with you and look at ways we can help, even if it is remotely.
At the end of the service, there is a slide that shows you different ways that you can get in contact with us. The book of Hebrews reminds us to glance at the example of men like Daniel and other heroes of the faith. But we must not stop there. We must fix our eyes on Jesus, who though he experienced the ultimate change in circumstances when he came down to earth to show us how to live and ultimately died for us on the cross. He died to bring relationship with him. He knew what circumstances to slot into and what to rally against. We can see that life wasn't plain sailing for him. And he is the example of how we should live. And even in new and difficult circumstances, we can trust him. Let's pray together. Father God, we don't always understand what is going on. Help us to know you are close to us in times of change and difficulties. Help us to rely on you and your strength rather than our own. Amen.